Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for February 16th, 2021, and this is officially episode number 467, and this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live. Yes, we're back here on the Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com, and where have I been? I don't know. I've uh, yeah, missed a few weeks here and there. It's been a slow year for paranormal news, and uh, I just was kind of busy. Last week, I kind of tinkered with doing a show, but we went out, uh, finally was able to get a dog. So we uh, had to drive down to Columbus, Ohio, and pick up our brand new addition to our family. So wasn't able to get home in time to do a show. Granted, I didn't really have a whole lot of material for a show. It's been a really weird year as far as... All sorts of paranormal news. You'd think that uh, people being locked down, bored out of their minds, going on the second year now, that uh, there would be a little bit more people would uh, pay attention to strange things and uh, would be, um, I don't know, seeing stuff. But we have a few stories that I think kind of tie into the boredom of such things. I think uh, it's it, we saw a little bit last year as well, and I think... Uh, a couple stories kind of made me chuckle thinking about that uh, people are just uh, desperate for anything different, weird, strange, or all the above. And we got news all over the place. Seems like a lot of UFO stuff this week, which I know you guys like, you really enjoy. And don't worry, there are no Loch Ness Monster stories this week. And hopefully, yeah, uh, well, this is kind of a test run. Uh, my wife and I were talking about uh, how the dog is going to react to me talking in a room uh, here in my little studio. Uh, so far, no scratching. Nope, I don't hear anything. So uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we had a we had a dog before that didn't really bother me, so I, I don't think anything will happen. But if we do, then uh, yeah, we get a, uh, a guest. We haven't had a guest on the show in a long time, so maybe. We'll see. Um, yeah, we have a lot of UFO stuff tonight from all over the place. Most of it here in the United States. I'll also talk about Elon Musk. He's creating a lot of problems, I think. Um, he's pushing boundaries, creating uh, new thoughts and uh, stretching the imagination of, uh, you know, what we thought or what we think we could do or should do. And uh, but at the same time, he's causing a lot of problems. So we'll talk about him tonight. I don't have any new updates uh, as far as events are concerned. This week, uh, the events tab there at the top of the ParanewsInsider.com website, home of the Paranormal News Insider. Yes, ParanewsInsider.com, because Paranormal News Insider, just too long for a website, I think. So I try to chop it down a little bit. Um, web um, but you can find it pretty easy. Events tab. Right there, right next to the home Too long. link. You should be able to see that. Uh, got to update that. The Dead of Winter Festival is over. And we've got, uh, let's see, uh, Haunted Savannah Paracon coming up 
February 26th through the 28th. And uh, that's about it here. Uh, nothing UFO related till April, as well as cryptozoology until April, at least on my calendar. I don't know. I know there's a lot of updates. There's a lot of uh, events that are kind of circling. They're wondering what's going to happen. Are, are we going to be back to normal? And I said that with air quotes, which you can't see on the radio. I don't think we're going to be back to normal anytime soon, but uh, I do believe that uh, some of these events are going to go on, but they're going to have to go on with limited guests. And uh, I don't know why we're not seeing more online things like Zoom type things. Um, you would have thought that we would have moved that direction, knowing that uh, the second year of this stuff is, is going on. So eh, I don't know. We'll keep an eye on that. And hopefully uh, events do uh, do occur this year. I think it's good to, to get out there and listen to people and uh, exchange thoughts and information and ideas and be able to get your book signed. I think that's important, too. I think that's fun. Uh, so we'll keep an, an eye out and an ear out for all that information. And, of course, if you have any information about any event, you can uh, let me know. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Paranews, at Paranews Insider. Um, obviously, Facebook. And you can email me. if People still email each other? I don't think so. Uh, but if you do, you're old school like me, you can email me at insider at paranewsinsider.com. And I'll try to uh, respond within 24 hours. That's my goal, usually. Uh, I do have the events page there. It's, it's, I, think, I don't think it's deleted. It's still there. It's a lot of work, but I keep it going as much as I can. I don't uh, haven't updated it since the end of January, it says, January 25th. So, yeah, i got to get in there and tinker around a little bit. Uh, I'm just always afraid to start looking at these things, see how many are canceled. Last year was just an absolute nightmare with cancellations, obviously. Uh, everybody thought that uh, this whole COVID thing, or coronavirus as we called it last year, uh, we just blow over. It'd be fine. We're not going to have to wear masks and all that stuff. That's silly. Uh, we're just going to keep doing what we do and never have to change. Well, little did we know. Uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, what else is going on? So i uh, got a lot of white stuff in my driveway, and I'm sure uh, a lot of you out there were affected by the massive snowstorm that uh, crossed through the United States the last few days, I know down south, uh, I've been down to Galveston before, and I'll tell you to see pictures, or actually a video of Galveston right there at the seawall covered in snow is just crazy. Um, I always laugh when places down south get like a little bit of snow or ice, the whole entire city shuts down because they don't have the services to take care of it. But uh, some pretty pretty serious uh, weather <clears throat> down there and... Um, yeah, and it's, it's tricky for them to take care of it, and unfortunately, uh, they're not used to it. I know up here in Ohio, uh, it snows pretty much 10 months out of the year, it seems like, and people still have a hard time adjusting to that. The first few snowfalls, you see a lot of cars uh, spinning out and uh, wrecked on the side of the road from you know driving crazy through the snow, and it usually levels out after a while, and uh, we just have to drive a little slower. You know, instead of 85, we drive about 65, and we get through the snow a little bit uh, easier. Uh, we didn't get hit hard where I'm at. 
too bad, but uh, I've heard a lot of stories of people getting many, many feet of snow all over the place. So uh, be careful out there. There is uh, more weather coming, more weather on the way. I hear uh, some some crazy ice storms from down south, and uh, I know Texas got hit very, very hard, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas got hit pretty bad, Louisiana, the whole south pretty much got hammered with ice and or snow or everything. Um, you know, we're used to it here in Ohio. Northeast is, uh, eh, you know, two feet of snow is nothing. Uh, when I was a kid, we had uh, a lot more snow, a lot f- more frequently than what we do nowadays. Uh, but anyway, yeah, be careful. And uh, also, yeah, I guess it was Valentine's Day, President's Day yesterday. Uh, lots of holidays. So hopefully you enjoyed your Valentine's Day. Got lots of chocolate and, uh, well, you know. Anyway, we're going to move to cryptid news for this week. And uh, we're going to start out with Finding Bigfoot. Yeah, I never thought we'd talk about Finding Bigfoot. After 100 episodes, uh, that show came to a close, uh, what was it, two years ago? Something like that. And they uh, they never did find it. Still looking. Uh, they couldn't find it after 100 episodes, but the cast of Finding Bigfoot, well, they're back. Yes, they're back. Well, <clears throat> kind of back, at least back for a two-hour special, Finding Bigfoot, The Search Continues. So maybe in this, you know, a two-hour special, they can find it. Um, so it made its debut last week, and the Finding Bigfoot crew has uh, now made the leap from uh, regular cable television how boring is that? People still watch cable TV? That is so 1999. Um, yeah, the new trend is streaming services. I should have said 2019. Um, yeah, streaming services. It's it's big now. Everything is something plus, right? And they're on Discovery Plus. There's like Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, I don't know, Plus, Somebody Plus. Now, I'm going to have to do Paranormal News Insider Plus, I guess. Do something different. I don't know. Um, and there's a, a few other paranormal shows um, that are going through that, that are going to be going to the streaming stuff. And uh, just like a few other paranormal shows, I know we talked about, was it Zach Bagans, uh, Ghost Adventures? They they used the, uh, the COVID lockdown as a storyline, saying that uh, COVID lockdowns have created an uptick in sightings. I don't know how that, uh, you know, we can blame that. Uh, I get nature kind of healing a little bit. Uh, I get, um, you know, the air quality getting better. Uh, I get people not getting as sick because we're careful. But uh, ghosts getting uh, more frantic or antic? I, I don't know. I don't think that uh, really relates to it. But, hey, anything you can do to sell cars because uh, that's what we're trying to do. With these ghost shows, we're trying to sell commercial slots. That's what all it comes down to. We don't care about the content of the show. That's just secondary. Uh, selling commercial slots, that's number one. We get people to tune in and hold them captive for 48 minutes uh, on the show, or at least 60 minutes for all the commercials. That's great. That's all we care about. So the press release about the show uh, states, quote, While the natural world is bursting with truths to be uncovered and discoveries to be made, there is one legend that sparks excitement and passion unlike no other. Bigfoot 
Animal Planet's intrepid Finding Bigfoot team returns together for the first time in three years to travel to hotspots of the U.S. to once and for all prove the elusive Bigfoot exists. Finding Bigfoot, the search continues, streams on Discovery Plus, the definitive nonfiction real-life subscription streaming service, Monday, February 8th. And they spelled February wrong. Uh, in addition to streaming Finding Bigfoot, the search continues on Discovery Plus. Viewers can join the conversation on social media by using hashtag Finding Bigfoot. Uh, yeah, I say hashtag we ain't found him yet. And following Discovery Plus on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates. Bigfoot sightings over the past year as the U.S. has been in lockdown due to COVID-19 has greatly increased. I don't know where they got that from again. Uh, these multiple sightings coupled with advanced technologies have convinced the original Finding Bigfoot team led by Bigfoot Field Research Organization President Matt Moneymaker, expert field caller James Bobo Fay, evidence analyst Cliff Barrickman, and field biologist Renee Holland to get back on the road and into the woods. Yeah, it wasn't the big paycheck, by the way, uh, for their biggest investigations to date with the best evidence the team has ever had. In Finding Bigfoot, the search continues. Incredible reports from areas in Ohio and West Virginia proved to be too compelling for investigators to ignore. Among other stories in this two-hour special, the reunited Finding Bigfoot team travels to a property in southeast Ohio that has been under surveillance for five years by the BFRO investigator Bay Mills. The evidence has been building after the homeowner and his family has had several mysterious encounters over the years. Advancement in technology gives the team uh, evidence that includes clean audio of Bigfoot vocalizations, detailed footprint casts with skin ridge details, and quality pictures by advanced cameras. Yes, a lot has changed in three years, apparently. Uh, as the team closes in on this active hotspot, they enlist the help of some highly specialized thermal vision drone pilots to get their own Bigfoot footage. As legend meets advanced technology to analyze compelling Bigfoot evidence and with new gadgetry at their disposal, with Matt, Bobo, Cliff, and Renee finally proved to the world once and for all that these incredible creatures really do exist? Well, I think the answer, uh, really, if I had to answer it, is uh, uh, no. No. Uh, because if they would have found anything during this filming, uh, which took place months ago, I think we would have heard about it. Uh, I would have been front page news. Uh, I think we would have. Uh, I think we would have. We would have heard about it pretty much. I, you're not going to keep that uh, under wraps. I'm sure there's some compelling stuff. I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I missed it last week. I forgot about it, and haven't had time to get back on there uh, to try to see it. No, actually, no. I don't have Discovery Plus, so eh, trying to figure out how I'm going to watch it. I've read a little bit about it, but I do want to watch it. Kind of curious about it, but I'm going to spend an extra cash. It's a whole bunch of other plus channels I'd like to watch Yeah, for more than one two-hour special. But uh, they are using this show to lure people like me and you. Maybe you. I don't know. Uh, obviously, the Finding Bigfoot show is really one of the most popular Shows for the Discovery Network, granted, uh, due to COVID and a lot of other details, obviously traveling shows uh, really hit the uh, hit the sidelines with uh, COVID. Um, but uh, 
Uh, just uh, the budget really wasn't there for that show. I think there was a we talked about this. There's just a lot of things that led to the show uh, being shelved, even though it, at its height, it was uh, one of the most popular shows. And now they're using it to lure people to their streaming service. Yes, you're going to have to pay extra. I found that out. I don't know why I thought I could watch it. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to have to watch uh, pay extra to watch the Bigfoot gang is the uh, yeah, the trend is continuing away from cable. And towards separate streaming services. I'm sure we're going to see some ghost stuff make its way on some some new streaming services to try to lure people uh, to them. But, uh, eh, you can keep it. Um, you know, I'm in it for the, for the actual evidence. And, of course, if any actual evidence would have been found, uh, we would have heard about it or read about it. So, yeah, the show is just entertainment. It's uh, not really... Any sort of real discovery, so eh, you can keep it. Um, keep your nine ninety five, or I don't know what they're charging for Discovery Plus, to be honest. Uh, but there is some other programming that I wouldn't mind watching. It's like uh, Disney Plus, so I, I just subscribe to Disney Plus. Obviously, the big hook was the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Instead of having to go out and buy each individual movie which I do already own like half of them. But uh, yeah, now I could just stream it and watch it. And of course, all the Star Wars stuff is on there. I know I'm not getting paid by Disney, by the House of the Mouse. Uh, but there's also a lot of other uh, good content on there other than just the sci-fi stuff. Uh, there's some nature stuff as well. So, yeah, you know, I get my money's worth out of that. Discovery Plus, I don't know. Not sure. I mean, I've seen a few shows that look interesting, but not enough. Gosh, I'm already paying enough with all the other uh, services out there. So speaking of Bigfoot, some strange large tracks, just actual physical evidence. Not just uh, something screaming in the woods. Um, turned up in a neighborhood near Glasgow, Scotland. At least uh, according to a tweet on February 14th, uh, Linda O'Neill shared four photos of what initially looked to me and uh, looked to a lot of other people like uh, bear tracks. And that's immediately what I thought. But uh, the headlines were reading Bigfoot, that uh, possibly Bigfoot was hanging out in Scotland. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's the uh, one of the leading Hypotheses, although I think the uh, the bear thought has uh, taken up a lot here too. So I'm, uh, if you're in chat, I've just loaded uh, the uh, picture of the tweet with uh, four photographs. Now these photographs are pretty interesting. Now uh, initially, I saw the one footprint, which looks like a front uh, paw. So if you're if you're familiar with bears, maybe you're not familiar with bears. So uh, their front and rear paws basically leave two different distinct tracks. So the front is a really short uh, paws with claws, and the claws are a little bit longer than the actual paw. Uh, and the rear is almost like if somebody was walking just on their the foot pads of it, like a human, where we're walking just on their basically tippy toes, and. Uh, sometimes when they cross their tracks, it almost looks like a human footprint. And uh, so a, a lot of bear tracks are many times misinterpreted and, and people think that they're Bigfoot. But uh, these tracks initially 
uh, when I saw them, I thought, wow, that looks uh, pretty bear-like to me. But the more I looked at it, it just doesn't, it just didn't look right. So I looked at each individual picture and granted the size is there, but snow is, uh, snow is one of the hardest. You'd think it would be easy because snow, you can see tracks uh, pretty far away, pretty distinct, and you can see them very, very easily. But Snow is very deceiving with footprints, uh, especially wild animals, uh, especially gauging size because snow melts, especially with a creature that steps in cold snow, a warm skin. They're going to melt that snow around their foot if they're walking slow enough, and it makes the track look bigger than what it is. Uh, wind will make the tracks look different sizes and different shapes. Uh, but however, this is taken uh, again, if you look closely at these pictures like I did, it's like a sidewalk. So to me, uh, that's another telltale sign. Why would a bear be walking uh, down a sidewalk where people were walking? Uh, not to mention, uh, I think people would see a bear in a residential area. And uh, this is described as, as more grizzly-like than uh, brown bear-like. Uh, definitely you're going to see that walking around um but uh again looking at the picture uh looking at that rear picture the rear what would be the rear foot uh they don't look like that it's not what they look like uh to me looking at that rear picture so there's one with uh, the lady put her foot there and she says it's a a lady size three which that's uk so i think that's like size five something five and a half maybe uh, here in the U.S., maybe size five. It's still pretty small. So that's not that giant of a foot, I don't think. Uh, but still, I think my opinion, and it's a leading opinion by the, the expert sleuths. Sleuths? Sleuths? People who think they're smart. We'll just say it that way. The Twitter experts. Twitter spurts. Call them that. Um, they think it's just somebody with... Uh, what do they call it? Costume shoes. Well, you've probably seen those. You can order those Bigfoot shoes. You know, the slippers. Well, I'm pretty sure that that's what those are, too. They're probably just gimmick slippers that somebody wore outside to walk their dog. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but, it, again, those front the front claws, though, kind of throw me off because you can see those. Uh, but, again, some of those costume shoes might have fake front claws, and that might be what we're looking at here. Uh, there are no bears in the UK at all, unless you're talking about zoos. Uh, but they're not running around. They're not loose. They have more of a cat problem than anything. I don't don't know when the last bear set foot in, uh, you know, living in the United Kingdom. Might have might be a few on the loose out there, like the wild cats or the uh, alien big cats. But uh, highly doubtful that there's any kind of bear population. Bears pretty much uh, disappeared off of that landmass uh, a long, long time ago. So not a wild bear uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, a lot of people said badger. Some people think it's a badger, maybe a Bigfoot, a Yeti. Uh, I've also seen uh, a lot of people commenting. I don't, I don't know why. It's just kind of weird that they actually think it's uh, somebody that they know, like an aunt or a mother-in-law, that would leave those tracks. I don't know kind of manicure or a, I should say pedicure that they have, but uh, kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, not a bear. I don't think slippers. That's my guess. 
I'm going to stick with that. Anyway, let's go to UFO news. Enough, enough of cryptid for the week. You have lots of stories in the UFO arena uh, this year, let alone the last couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to jump. Well, let's just go right to this one here. Big UFO story. Probably the biggest one of 2021. I think I said that a couple of weeks ago. But this one trumps. Or should I, can I say trumps on the air? I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with it. Biggest story of 2021 as far as UFOs are concerned. Uh, but uh, this one didn't come from the skies. It's not a sighting. No, this one came from behind a keyboard. Yes, Anthony Bergalia, blogger of UFO Explorations, has busted the government and their secrets wide open with a shocking headline that reads, quote, Pentagon admits it has UFO debris, releases test results, unquote. There it is. It's over. We caught them. We got the government to admit it. Uh, they have UFO debris. They've been testing it. There it is. It's over. We got him. End of story. We don't have to worry about this anymore, right? Uh, so in what he calls a stunning admission by the U.S. government, he claims that they not only possess UFO debris, but they have tested and replicated a metal that is similar to that which uh, was found at Roswell. Um, metal discovered at Roswell, which is uh, purportedly... Uh, from alien spacecraft, uh, so if you've heard about this, it could supposedly remember the shape it was originally in. So if you twisted it or crushed it, it'll go right back to that original shape. Uh, that's been uh, the rumor for many, many years. And now, supposedly, we get the government to admit it, that they've been testing this uh, this metal. Uh, Bergalia has uh, purportedly uncovered the truth about the development of this mysterious alloy from a series of freedom of information requests. Yes, you just ask the government and uh, they tell you all their deepest, darkest secrets. I mean, it wasn't exactly like that. He kind of twisted things around and uh, a lot of different uh, requests, but uh, to kind of eh, shimmy through the details here to keep the, the long story short, uh, basically saying if it sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. Uh, yes, Bergalia has simply twisted information to suit his needs. Uh, he's been called out by a lot of individuals, as well as by the Black Vault, and uh, even by the U.S. government for peddling misinformation. Of course, you know when the government reacts like that, uh, there's a lot of people uh, calling out the government, saying they're just trying to cover things up, or they've been caught in you know misinformation or lies. Uh, now they're just trying to, to pedal to cover it up. Well, I don't think that's the case. I think uh, if you read through everything that uh, Bregalia has written, uh, it really does sound like he's just reaching and he's just um, taking the information he's given and making it into uh, – molding it into his beliefs. And it doesn't snap back to the truth like this uh, metal alloy does. So what about this mysterious – Alloy. It's called nitinol, nitinol, N-I-T-I-N-O-L. So you can look that up. It's uh, really a simple alloy of nickel and titanium. It's nothing that isn't found on Earth. Yeah, it does take uh, a little bit of time and effort to get it just right. Uh, it was very difficult and expensive to reproduce. Granted, because it was discovered back in 1959, and you can say 
Um, wow, you know, 1959, that's, uh, what, about a dozen years after Roswell. So it's got to be pretty close. And until the, basically the 1980s, it got to the point where they could manufacture it. They found a lot of uh, things that could be used for. And currently it is used in a number of industrial applications. Uh, so the shape, memory, and elastic properties have been used in things from the, uh, all the way from the hatch of a 20, uh, 2014 Chevy Corvette, let's see, to uh, the autofocus actuator in many mobile phone cameras. So you might actually have this stuff in your hand right now. It's also used in the underwire on bras. That's pretty scary stuff right there. Uh, so this has already been, you know, we've, we've found this out. And I guess it was used on... Uh, I can't remember. The scientists were looking at this, and they they found it. They were looking for something with a ballistic missile or something, but they uh, accidentally discovered this. They, uh, this exact percentage of uh, the nickel and titanium. So it's just – you've got to find it just right. But it's not anything new. So this wasn't something that, hey, we found this thing. Let's melt it down. Let's figure out what it is. And uh, reverse engineer it. This isn't, again, anything that would have been uh, alien technology or alien uh, debris because it's stuff that we can readily find here on Earth and we've replicated it. We Actually, we created it so we don't have to replicate it. And it would be kind of hard to reverse engineer something like this rather than actually just engineer it on our own, which is exactly what we did. Um. Yeah, similar properties were actually observed in alloys of gold and cadmium back in 1932, which is uh, a decade and a half before the Roswell incident. And it was just, you know, a matter of time until other metals were put together to uh, get this uh, same elastic properties that um, the uh, gold and cadmium displayed back in 1932. And again, it was just... Uh, wasn't practical for the longest time, you know, the usage versus the the amount of money it takes to create this stuff uh, until the late 1980s. And again, currently it's used in a number of industrial applications because it's a lot easier to manufacture now at this point. And I don't think anything uh, alien has anything to do with it. I know uh, you see on popular TV shows, things like Velcro and all this other stuff were supposedly made by aliens. You know, we're not that dumb. We can create these things on our own. We don't have to reverse engineer anything. And like I said, uh, reverse engineering is a lot harder to do than actually just engineering something. And uh, I don't think there's, you know, we're talking about this alloy. If the alloy is the focus of the story, um, yeah, I don't think this is, is alien anything. And granted, when you look at the documents and you look at the Freedom of Information uh, responses, uh, again, he's just twisting this around. Uh, granted, there's a lot of UFO believers that are, that are siding with Bregalia and uh, just saying that, you know, everybody's just making stuff up, trying to cover it up. But, yeah, it's, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. So let's go to Florida. Yes, the famed Florida man. Uh, so one would think Floridians, and I've talked about this a lot. It seems like every fall and every spring and probably all year round. Uh, there's uh, sightings of rockets uh, that are launched, and, and they uh, 
jump to the wild conclusion that these are UFOs. Granted, you know, I, I've not seen one uh, like uh, like I've seen in some of these videos. I've never seen one in person, so I don't know what they look like. But I, apparently it's pretty scary. And you would think that Floridians would be the best at spotting rockets, uh, especially in southeast Florida. They'd see this stuff all the time. You think they would uh, really understand all this stuff, but uh, seems like they're constantly confused by what they see and always talking about UFOs invading Earth. Uh, now, granted, a lot of these launches are announced in advance, and uh, people kind of prepare for this, and they, they already know about it. It's talked about on uh, radio stations and television stations, so people are always aware of this stuff. But uh, sometimes launches uh, get rescheduled or delayed, and people don't pay attention to that. And that's usually when people are taken uh, by surprise by these sightings, at least from what I've read over the years. Uh, however, when they're not announced, of course people are going to confuse this and maybe panic a little bit. Uh, one unannounced launch off the coast of Florida last Tuesday created a bit of panic. And of course, a number of UFO videos appeared on social media. The U.S. Navy launched a Trident missile from a submarine last Tuesday in an unannounced test from a submarine that sailed out of Port Canaveral, Florida. And of course, um, this would have caused, if I would have been down there sailing out of Port Canaveral on a cruise ship, sounds good right about now, uh, I too would have been a, a little concerned uh, by seeing the plume of smoke. I would have known uh, pretty much what it was. Uh, so if you're in the in the chat room right now, which is the great added benefit of listening to the show, the nice interactive chat room where I can post photographs and links to stories, and of course you can chat as well. Uh, posted a picture here, and you can see a Trident missile coming out of the water. Now, this is not from the actual uh, test last week. That's uh, a previous test. Uh, I don't know exactly when, but uh, years ago. But it's probably pretty similar to what occurred off the coast of Port Canaveral. But the inset, the one little picture that's in the top right-hand corner, that is uh, still from a video taken from Port Canaveral. I'm guessing uh, one of the hotels or... Uh, uh, maybe a uh, residential building pretty high up. Uh, you could see a, a plume of smoke, and there was a bright dot, basically, of the exhaust. Uh, only lasted a few seconds until the rocket sped away, and you really couldn't see it. disappeared pretty quick as it uh, got to an elevation and started shooting away from Florida. And uh, a lot, again, a lot of people were taken by surprise. It's not your typical type of launch that's just coming out of the water, miles offshore. Uh, and a certain, again, it reached a, it's going away from the viewer, so it's not easy to see the rocket because you're just, all you're seeing is plumes of smoke and a, maybe a rocket exhaust if you're lucky at the right angle. Uh, so a lot of people were confused by this and uh, didn't last very long. Um, again, several miles off the coast, but uh, the exhaust created an eerie sight to a lot of people in southern Florida. I don't know how far away in Florida people were seeing this. Uh, but also in the Bahamas and the Turk and Caicos Islands, people were reporting uh, seeing this plume of smoke and this rocket. Uh, the missile flew over 5,000 miles to the north, uh, I guess, northeast of Ascension Island, which is uh, 
It's about a thousand miles south of Africa and about fifth, well, about fourteen hundred miles off the coast of Brazil. So it kind of flew in a long, you know, long line between land masses. So it got nowhere near, uh, you know, any large land mass. Uh, just to see how far they could fly this thing. Five thousand miles, really not that far for a Trident missile. Uh, and again, the Navy generally announces test launches of ballistic missile tests after the launch, pretty much uh, a few hours or, or maybe a day. Uh, but this one took two days until an official statement was put out, which also added to the confusion behind this. And, uh, you know, people aren't even, they're more worried about a UFO sighting versus the fact that we just tested a, uh, that wasn't a, it wasn't armed, it wasn't a, a nuclear tip, but uh, this is how we launch nuclear weapons. And you know, people were really uh, worried about that. They were just worried about a, a UFO sighting. Uh, but uh, this is pretty pretty normal, pretty standard. They have to test these things uh, every now and again to make sure that they actually work. But uh, yeah, causes UFO sightings. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, this is a fun one. You might have heard about this. Uh, so off, off and on, we've talked about a property, a couple of houses for sale, um, property listings here on the show. Uh, I remember the Amityville Horror House um, was for sale, I think, at least once. Zach Bagans, his haunted home, was that Indiana, Illinois? Uh, who cares? It's uh, gone anyway. Uh, he was selling the house. Uh, we've seen some other haunted properties uh, in the past. But what about UFO stuff? I don't really hear too much about that. What about land near Area 51? How does that sound? Sounds pretty cool. I think a lot of people would jump on that, right? Uh, owning property near Area 51, you just get your, uh, just get your uh, little chairs and sit out back and, and watch for the light show, right? I think that sounds pretty neat. And it's, so it seems that a plot of land that shares space with Area 51, actually overlaps it, has been up for sale since last fall. Steve Medlin bought the property back in the late 1970s to raise cattle, not knowing that the base existed on adjacent property. Uh, at the time he bought the property, there were no buildings, no running water, or utilities on the land. It was just uh, desert, rocks, maybe some goats, I don't know. Uh, the asking price for the property now is a cool $4.5 million. Um, sounds like a lot of money. Uh, there's about 80 acres. That's a lot of money for 80 acres. But the $4.5 million includes two newer manufactured homes, one being four bedrooms with three bathrooms and a wraparound deck. That sounds pretty nice. Uh, the other home has uh, three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And is billed to say that it would make a nice guest house. I don't know how far away they are from each other. Hopefully a couple of miles. That would be nice. You know, send your friends over there and give them a couple four-wheelers. Uh, Medlin has run about 750 head of cattle on the land. And uh, it also includes uh, feedlot pens, a 5,600-square-foot hay barn, a 1,248-square-foot barn, and a 576-square-foot shop. And again, the land includes a total of 80 acres. Yeah, $4.5 I don't know. That's awful expensive 
for the land. I think I estimated uh, $56,000 per acre. But again, you get two houses, the barn, uh, a couple barns. It's uh, also um, a lot of updates for the cattle. And again, it's this is a ranch. This isn't just a, you know, to buy it to have a house. Uh, I think if somebody buys it and they're not going to run cattle, uh, I think you're going to have a hard time getting this land. I mean, who wouldn't want all that to uh, to be on the land right next to Area 51? Doesn't sound like a bad investment. I mean, it's a lot of money. But uh, that's the upside. The downside is that the deal also comes with uh, the Bureau of Land Management owning not only a weather station on the property, <clears throat> but they also have uh, some deeds and claims to about half the property, about 40 acres of that land. Uh, so you might lose that at any time. So if you're not running cattle, you're probably going to lose that land. Uh, in addition to the weather station, and you also have the encroaching Air Force which seized 89,000 acres of property, uh, public land in the mid-1980s with no explanation. They just took it. And Medlin was able to enter that property uh, that was seized, kind of cut his property into pieces. Uh, but he was able to, to enter that land to tend to his cattle. But he had a call on a radio first before entering the property. Yeah, so his movements were probably watched very carefully when he was out tending his cattle, especially near the border of the land surrounding the base. Uh, the other big issue is that the property is also home to the famed black mailbox. Yes, you can own the famed black mailbox, which is actually, I think it's white again. It was white, it was black, then it was white, then it was black. Um, you know, and a lot of people, and I didn't realize this at first, I just thought, you know, Scott, I already knew it was somebody's property, you know, and this uh, the famed black mailbox became big. But people actually thought this was the mailbox for Area 51. And I thought to myself, well, how dumb is that? Why would they just have this random mailbox? Uh, a lot of people use that as a marker to know uh, basically where they're at. And it's a popular meeting spot, a gathering point, and it's become part of the the whole – I don't know, I guess urban legend behind Area 51 of all the strange things that happened there. So the, the mailbox, uh, again, part of the property, it's Medlin's mailbox, had his name on it there for a while. Uh, so if you uh, like to take a stroll out to get your mail, it's pretty far away, a couple mile drive to get to it. That's great. Uh, but you're also going to have to deal with uh, potentially uh, your mail getting shot, which uh, he's had his bullet holes in his mail before. Uh, it's had that mailbox stolen a few times, uh, demolished, and it's been graffiti covered since the late 1980s when uh, Area 51 became a big deal thanks to Bob Lazar. So if you like uh, your mail being private, uh, good luck with that. Uh, also take into consideration that while the area is pretty much out in the middle of nowhere, so you're about 140 miles north of Las Vegas, you're out in the desert, uh, you're not going to be able to just go down to the local store uh, it's going to be a pretty far drive to get anything, to get gas, to get food, to get milk, to get, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to get use Redbox, good luck. It's going to be a couple hour drive uh, to get to anything. Uh, it also comes with the prying eyes of the camo dudes. Don't forget those guys. And a constant flow of tourists to the area. 
Again, that black mailbox, part of the lore and history of the area. And, uh, you know, obviously people trying to get a peek at the base, people trespassing. Uh, so you're always going to have that possibility of people trespassing on your land or the threat of the government seizing portions of it. So I, I don't know. 4.5 million, two houses, area 51 in my backyard. Camo dudes, people trespassing, people destroying my mailbox. I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to pass on it. You know, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep my mind open, but uh, I think I'm going to have to pass on that property. But if you're interested, uh, I do believe it's still up for sale. I'm not sure what else you'd have to sign with the with the government, but I'm sure you'd have to sign some stuff for the, the Air Force and whatnot. I don't know why he's leaving. Don't know why he's moving. He's getting up there in age, however, so uh, maybe it's just uh, he's going to move to a quiet residential area in uh, Phoenix. I don't know where he's going, but uh, yeah, it seems like maybe he's just tired of all the the stuff that goes with owning that land. So we'll go from Nevada, Las Vegas area. We're going to go to Utah, not too far away. Uh, so a flurry of reports of UFOs flooded in around Salt Lake City, Utah, back on February 11th at around 6 a.m. in the morning. People had nothing better to do. Uh, there were storm clouds rolling in. However, a clearing showed a long line of bright lights in the sky that seemed to be moving in formation. People were a little concerned about this. Uh, Jennifer Campbell described what she saw. She said, quote, early in the morning, I saw them flying in a straight line. There was a fleet of them flying over the mountains, unquote. Uh, with the local Air Force base nearby, the thought was it could have been a squadron of F-35s or maybe some other uh, aircraft. ABC-4 called Hill Air Force Base's 388th Fighter Wing for answers. The Air Force spokesman stated, uh, or spokesperson, Sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody. Uh, stated that they were not flying that morning, but uh, wondered if the sighting just might be Starlink satellites. ABC4 then actually did the research, <gasps> gasp, and found that according to the Starlink satellite tracking website, that the satellites would have been seen and would be bright in the sky right around the time, and amazingly, the same location in the sky in which they were spotted. Mystery solved. Uh, a similar sighting occurred on February 1st in Evansville, Indiana. And now they too reached out to local armed forces bases and made speculations about aircraft or even drones. And uh, the leading cause with that sighting is Starlink satellites. Uh, but there seems to be a little confusion with the people um, that are talking about this in the media about seeing the lights once they're in orbit versus when they're deployed. Uh, because they say that these can't be Starlink satellites because they're spread out. And they, they think that there's only supposed to be seen in a straight line. So they're seen in a straight line when they're deployed. Uh, but once they're in orbit, they form kind of a, uh, a constellation. But they're all still flying in the same direction. But there's more spread out. So what I saw in the, the photographs of uh, the Evansville, Indiana incident... Uh, that, to me, is uh, clearly Starlink satellites. Um, but uh, a lot of people also say that they were darting about in the sky 
and these were visual reports. So this is people seeing these things, saying that they were moving around. But this is caused by the eyes trying to fixate on distant objects like stars or satellites. That's pretty well known to those of us that research this stuff. Um, so I think that's just Starlink satellites. So speaking of Starlink satellites, story is a segue, as we call it in the, uh, the biz. Uh, Elon Musk has uh, obviously been in the news a lot the last few years about space stuff. And uh, according to, uh, you know, to me, he's, uh, he's kind of an enemy at a, a little bit. Uh, I love him. I have a love-hate relationship with Elon Musk. Of course, he doesn't even know who I am. But, um, you know, I love the fact of what he's doing. He's pushing the boundaries of discovery, getting us out into space, talking about going to Mars, uh, privatizing space travel, I think is, is awesome. And uh, reusable rockets, saving money, uh, making it more affordable to get things up into into space. I absolutely love that. Uh, what he did launching a Tesla out into space. I'm not a big fan of Teslas, by the way, but uh, except for the, the the music band is is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the the car is not a big fan. But launching one into space, I thought was truly an awesome moment. And I love that kind of um, you know that kind of uh, uh, uncontrolled spirit, especially when it comes to going into space. It's dangerous going to space, and uh, you have to be calculated and in control, but also you know, just being daring and doing strange things is, is great. But on the flip side of that, these Starlink satellites, bro, you're, you're clogging up the skies. And, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, potentially uh, launching too many things could actually trap us here on Earth. It's possible. And it almost happened last year, as we reported here on the, the show. Uh, so these Starlink satellites, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I understand that they do uh, help you know, poor areas get uh, Wi-Fi, help get uh, uh, phone signals and uh, Wi-Fi. And all that, and uh, you know, maybe down the road, that's how we're going to get uh, affordable Wi-Fi. Might be cheaper than all the other stuff that we're doing, towers and all these things. You know, maybe cell phone service, maybe from satellites, it might be cheaper down the road. Uh, I get that. I see uh, how technology is is going in that direction, but I just don't like clogging up the the sky like that. I just think it's there's a lot more downside to the upside of technology. And, you know, it was just we, we just reported these last two stories, these Starlink satellites being a, a constant cause for UFO sightings. People are still not used to these things, and uh, I've only seen them once, and it wasn't really, uh, wasn't really bright. It was a, just for about 20 seconds, and they were pretty dim. I knew what they were. I knew where they were at. Uh, it wasn't uh, the most wonderful sighting in the world, but I could see how people would mistake them for other things. Um, you know, so one might wonder, you know, what does Elon Musk think about aliens or what does he think about UFOs? What does he think about all these things? Well, that question was answered. And where else? But on Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, it turns out that Musk um, basically doesn't really seem to bother himself with the thought of aliens or UFOs zipping around. 
Uh, so during the podcast, he said, quote, honestly, I think I would know if there were aliens. I mean, if they wanted us to know about them, they could just show up and walk down Main Street like, hey, I'm an alien. Check me out. Here's my spaceship. I just landed in the middle of Times Square. Then we'd be like, okay, we believe you. They are very subtle, these aliens, unquote. Okay. Uh, Rogan asked Musk if he thought uh, searching for aliens was a waste of time, and he responded with a, uh, a yeah. Yeah. So he seems more focused on getting humans to Mars than worrying about UFOs or aliens. And again, he thinks um, that uh, with his work with SpaceX and his eyes in the skies quite a bit, launching a lot of stuff into space, uh, highly involved with um, observing the skies, observing space, that uh, if UFOs were to exist, uh, him and his people probably would have a little bit of information uh, about that. And uh, I, I think the kind of guy he is, uh, I think he would say something. I think if uh, he were to see strange things flying through the sky that he couldn't explain, I think he would really be interested in that. And I think the uh, adventurer inside of him would uh, be curious and, and want to know, and he would uh, probably make that more than likely public. I don't see the government uh, getting to him or saying, hey, you can't talk about that stuff, Elon. If you see something, don't say something. Uh, I really see his his type of uh, personality uh, would want to know more about this. So the, the fact that he doesn't, he's really nonchalant about it, he doesn't really care, uh, doesn't really think about it that often, to me, tells me that he's not seeing anything or his people haven't saw anything, uh, which doesn't really say that all these things don't exist just from his vantage point. They don't. Um, but again, he's focused on getting humans to Mars, which I, th I think is pretty important in a way. Uh, I think um, pushing our ability to explore space is uh, pretty important for humankind at the point where we're at, ready to kill each other uh, all the time, trapped on this little tiny blue dot. So if we can push our boundaries uh, without pushing ourselves into uh, being broke as a planet, I think it's a, a smart thing to uh, try to branch out beyond just zipping around uh, near Earth orbit or just, you know, in outer space between us and the moon. Uh, granted, going to the moon, I think, is cool. But I think getting ourselves to Mars, that's a good step. It's a small step. Uh, and uh, I think without somebody like him, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think the government would want to spend money on it. So uh, good on Elon. I'm glad for that. Uh, I still hate you for the Starlink stuff. But uh, yeah, if he f he feels that there's uh, there's no UFOs buzzing around. And again, he would certainly know about it if there were. But we'll see. You know, maybe he'll change his mind if he does see something. I'm pretty sure he'll say something. And uh, hopefully you will as well. If you see anything out there, let me know. Let the world know. Just don't put it on Instagram. Um, blog about it. Talk about it. And um, with that being said, checking my calendar, I should be wide open next week. So don't worry. We'll have a show as long as something happens in the paranormal. Uh, I'm sure something will. And uh, I will see you next week. Well, I won't see you, but I'll hear from you. You're here for me. Something like that. 
but I'll be on the air next week. Even if it's a 10-minute show, we'll do a show next week. Uh, but for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. It's probably because you're cold, because it's cold everywhere. Uh, and always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>